Welcome to Valley Lights Church Online. Hey, if you haven't been with us for the past couple weeks, we've had a bunch of big changes. Uh, one real big change is that we're meeting in a new location on Sunday mornings. In fact, God provided a storefront that I'm standing in that's in a shopping center in Santa Clarita. And uh, I've been part of portable churches for 15 years. So now we've actually got a space that we can uh, use every day if we want to. And it kind of feels like I'm on this exciting adventure, just watching God provide and watching him move us around so much in our first year of church life. Um, it's really, it's, it's been stressful at times, but it's really exciting. And um, it kind of feels like I'm, I get to explore a whole new area because in this shopping center, which I really didn't come to much before, um, there's a lot here. There, they've got like, you know, there's a coffee shop, a CVS, a laundromat. There's a, a, a liquor store right next door, a Goodwill. There's all, there's, and it's, it's quite a happening place. There's people coming in. I've been noticing how much traffic there is. And uh, I even uh, met one late. So, so at the liquor store, there's one lady from Brooklyn who just comes and hangs out and talks to employees. I got to meet them and experience the culture of that sh shop and I don't know, it's just, it's been fun for me to meet new people and, and dive into a new pocket of our city. And um, I even got, you know, that coffee shop was a, it's a coffee kiosk. And so I think it's drive-through only, but I wasn't really sure if they had like a walk-up window. And so I walked over there and I found myself standing in between cars trying to get to the drive-through window. <laughs> and uh, they ended up just giving me a free coffee. And I'm like, hey, thanks. I'm new to the area. You might see me again, but I don't, I still don't know if I need to get a car or not. So uh, anyways, God's been building this church, and he's given us a bunch of things. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. For one, and actually these are a, a few things I mentioned briefly at the end of my last message, but God's given us a following. You know, person after person in our church has told me over the past month, hey, wherever the church moves, we're going to be eager to follow. We'll go where the church goes. And people have made good on that because they've moved. We've been bouncing around and people have stuck with us. And so we've got a following. We also, God has provided for us friendships. It's not just any old people, but there's some, there's some people that are part of our church that have become very important to me. And very, the, the, these relationships are very meaningful to me. And I, I can see that growing in so many people. So God's provided the following, friendships, and of course now this facility. And this is kind of rare for a church our age and stage to be have a stable base of operations for us to work from. And, um, and, and by the way, in case you're wondering, if you've actually been here, you'll notice there's a, an enormous space available for lease banner on top of the building. And uh, that's got to stay there because part of the great story of us getting in here is we're at this very steeply discounted rate. We're paying a third of the market value for this space that, you know, it's an opportunity that got brought up, but um, we're, we're renting month to month right now. And because of that, the space available sign needs to be there. And so um, I told some of our people at church that it's, uh, it's kind of like a big coupon. <laughs> that banner is like a uh, $8,000 a month coupon. And so we're going to let it stay there for right now. And, uh, you know, beyond, beyond the space, God has been providing a lot of other things. There's people are getting excited to uh, get involved in different ways. There's one family that um, owns some apartment buildings and so they brought in a bunch of furniture and things to make the place look really nice. Another guy 
has gotten a stage lighting and a drum set and people are just bringing things in to make this uh, a, a very usable space. God's provided all of that. So in addition to the, the facility and the friendship and the following, he's also provided the finances. And uh, the way our church works right now is that we're about, uh, we're currently half supported by churches and people from outside and half funded by people that go to our church. And that's when we, when we first started, it was predominantly and mostly outside supported, but we're in this uh, sliding scale where over the next year, we're going into our second year of church, um, that ratio needs to shift where the, the outside support is going to drop off and uh, we need to be self-standing. And so that we're going to need to see an increase in giving from, from within our group. And this space that we're in is, is also an increase in facility costs compared to what we were paying for our gathering spot. It's about, it's about a $2,500 a month increase in our facility costs. And the exciting thing is that right at the end of December, before I even knew about this space, God provided two large unexpected gifts from people connected to our church. And uh, it was, that was very encouraging. And because of that, um, I really believe that it, it was a provision in advance, helping me to know that this would be a prudent move um, some of those extra gifts uh, have helped with this transition. And as we continue to operate, we'll need to absorb the costs of, of operation. But uh, even when I asked one of my uh, mentors about this, he agreed, Josh, he agreed that uh, this really is a, a step in a healthy direction for us. Because as our church grows, um, it, it's, we'll need to build space in our budget for realistic facility costs. So we're moving in the right direction. And uh, God's provided all these things following friendships, the finances, a facility. And because of all of that, he's also provided a great deal of faith. And it has been incredible to see God come through. Um, not only has God given me an increase of faith in his reliability just to trust him to provide, but man, he's given us faith in Jesus Christ. His son, the, the greatest gift that we, that we have from God is the ability to trust Jesus as our Lord, and that'll lead to eternal life. And God has given us. He's, for many that are part of our church, we've put our faith firmly, our trust, and we really entrust our lives to Jesus Christ, and that is the gift above all the other gifts. And when I look around and I see the people and the resources, I think, this is amazing. Why did... Why has God been so good to us? Why did he provide all these things? And he could have given us less. He could have, I mean, we could still be scrambling, meeting in park, in outdoor spaces. We could be, we could have uh, fewer financial resources or fewer people. Um, perhaps the friendships may not have been as rich or deep. All these things, there's, or he could provide the things that were totally different. We'd be a different space or different people, but you're here, I'm here, God's provided these resources, and it's good. So why? Why has he given us such blessing? You know, I asked a bunch of people this week in one of our groups, uh, what's, what, is, what do you like best about our new facility? There's a lot of perks. You know, it's, not, it's actually not, you know, it's not a grand slam. There's, there's, there's some drawbacks, but there's some things to like about it. Um, and what people said, the, the first thing, at least in the group that I was in, uh, everyone said, we don't have to tear down or come early to set up. <laughs> All of the equipment on the stage is just stays there. 
and uh, we've got a pretty complicated drum set set up, and, which I really love because I'm a drummer and I can see it from here. But uh, I'm excited about that too. And even, you know, I have, I've felt the weight of, you know, when, when volunteers are serving week after week, especially, you know, over the last summer and we're out there sweating it out, putting stuff in this trailer, I, I really feel uh, a debt and a, a responsibility to, I'm just so grateful that people would, would serve and sweat to make this thing happen. And so I'm grateful too that there's, there's an easing up of some of the work that's required to make church happen. And uh, I don't think really just making things easier though is the reason that God has given us these things. I, actually, I know it. God has not given us all these blessings for our ease and comfort. It's not about that. It's not, I, I know that it's not time to kick back, to relax, to just, or it's not time for us to hide out and to hunker down and just, you know, we got our tight little chapel and we're just going to do our insider crew thing. No, it's, it's not, it's actually not just about our ease. Actually, I believe that God has given us so much because he expects us to do something good with it. <laughs> He's got some expectations, I believe. There's a story in, in the Gospel of Matthew, and Jesus, he tells a parable about some servants. He gives some, some ta- they're called talents, but it's some financial resources to his servants. And some of them, they, they use them, they invest them, they cause a lot of increase in growth to happen. And, and Jesus, uh, in the story, he gives them a lot of praise. And there's one servant who, who didn't do anything with his talent or his resources. He just hit it. And so... He had nothing to show for it except for just to bring the resource back. And uh, Jesus said, His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. And there's this intense judgment that comes down on the servant who just wasted the resources. I, I think that, you know, God expects us to accomplish something good. He doesn't give us stuff just for our own pleasure and kicking back. I think that not only in the Christian life do we need to avoid doing the wrong thing, but we'll be held accountable if we neglect to do the right things. And you know, we've, as a church, I, I'm encouraged by how much we've worked together over the past year. We've really grown in number. You know, in 2021, we started with, um, from, from the beginning to the end of 2021, we had a 200% increase in our attendance. That's pretty good. We grew in number. But I'm not only concerned with numerical growth. And it's really easy to fall into that trap. People are like, oh, the numbers are growing. We're doing great. This is, this is what it's all about. This is the stamp of success. Well, I do want to grow. I do want to reach more people and include and keep expanding. But I don't only want to grow the number of our people, but the depth of our people as well. I think one of the things that God expects from us is to build a colony of heaven. And here's what I mean by that. This is actually a reference to the book of Philippians. Paul writes in in 3.20, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven and and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's this reality where ultimately for those that follow Christ, we're headed to heaven and uh, we, we, we truly belong there. We don't actually belong here in this world, but we're here now, and there's this community of believers that we can develop while we're still here. I think one of the things that God wants us to do 
with the resources he has given us is to produce a godly, unified community of people. And you know what? We live in a beautiful place, Santa Clarita, and I really love it here, but it's not heaven. This is not, you know, it's not just one big heavenly community in this city. I actually had a, a really interesting thing happen two weeks ago. I was driving in the morning to work. I was like around nine in the morning and uh, I saw this couple about to walk across the street and it, they looked agitated and then all of a sudden I see the guy hit the girl really hard. It was, it was, it was intense and then all of a sudden this gets, gets superheated. And I, I'm driving by and I'm like, whoa, I'm looking in my mirror. And as I look back, I see um, the girl running away and then the guy starts running full tilt after her. I'm like, oh no, this is, no, I did, so I, I flipped a big U. I was like, I don't know what's about to happen, but to see this girl running away from this guy that hit her, I'm like, and to be honest, I've actually never been in a fight in my life. Um, I'm thinking, I don't even know. If something goes down right now, I might get jacked. I might get really messed up because I don't know how to fight people, but it didn't really matter what I knew. I just went after it. And so I go around the, curve, the turn into this neighborhood. I see him running. And uh, finally, when I go around the turn, he's in the street and uh, she's gone. She must have gone into one of the houses. So I get out and I said, hey, is everything all right? And uh, he's, he's walking towards me. He's got brass knuckles on his hand, um, maybe other weapons on him. And he looks super angry. And so we're, we're talking a little bit and he is just like cussing out this girl and the situation and just like his mouth is running. And um, he says... Uh, something about her calling the cops or whatever. And I said, hey, listen, you don't need that. I, my, my, my objective, since she's gone, my objective at this point was just to get him out of the neighborhood. He just needed to be super amped. Um, who knows on what, but it's probably just gonna be better if he just gets away from the situation instead of trying to track her down some more. So uh, I was like, yeah, you don't need that. You don't need any more trouble. Why don't you, why don't you go in that shopping center over there and just cool, cool down? So we talk for a few minutes, he does, he's pacing back and forth, and then finally he does cool down and he leaves. So I didn't have to fight him. <laughs> and uh, I knocked on a few doors to try to see if I could find the girl. And I, you know, I would guess maybe, I'm sure she wasn't innocent in the situation, but I wanted to see if she was okay, or if, I don't know, I, don't, I couldn't see what the rest happened. But nobody, I talked to a few neighbors and nobody either saw what happened or knew where this person might live. And I, I, I was trying to, anyways, I ended up leaving, prayed for that couple and, uh, or those individuals. And uh, I thought, you know what, even in sunny Valencia, Southern California, the middle of the day, birds are chirping and then someone gets smacked right in the middle of the road. And if you're honest, how far do you have to look, even in a beautiful city like ours, how far do you have to look to find brokenness, to find hostility? I mean, Pull out your phone or your computer. It's all around us. There's, there's tremendous amounts of isolation and things and relationships falling apart. We don't live in heaven. This is not, we're, we're not in heaven on earth. There's a lot of good things here. And like I said, I do love this city. But the idea in Philippians, what Paul writes about, is, is basically there's these two great communities in the universe. You've got the community of the world where we live and the community of heaven which is where we're going. 
And people that belong to this worldly community, they're governed by its laws, they're, they're bound together by the world's purposes, they're subject to the worldly administration. But we who belong to the heavenly community, we're bound together by God's good purposes and His code for conduct, for living, and His ways, for His righteous living. And while we're still on earth, it's kind of like we're living in a, a different country. That's kind of why it's referred to some, sometimes the community of believers is sometimes referred to as a colony. We're just this colony of people until, until we make it to, our, to God's good country. And God has equipped us right now, our, our church, our budding community, with tremendous resources and blessing. God has given us so much. So why has he given us all these things? Well, I believe one of the reasons is for us to grow strong and to unify and to grow in depth, not just in number. And also, he's given us these resources so that it, for the people that aren't yet here, for us to find and reach and include the people that are not yet a part of this community. And so, if we really make good use of the investment that God has made for us, build, you will have to build this heavenly community. It's just going to, the only problem is it's going to cost us all something. For us to really invest deeply and relationally in our community, it's going to cost us. It's going to be costly. In fact, you might have to give something up in order to help us build this biblical community. How might, you know, in fact, God might be calling on you to, to take on some risk to be a part of building this community. So some of the risks you might take, so for, for example, one risk is health. Of course, there's a lot of concern about health and COVID and sickness and symptoms and all that and testing. And, and all, it, to, it, truthfully, when you get around people, your chances of getting sick go up. And there's different levels of concern about that. But that's, that's a risk. And personally, I'm willing to be around sick people. <laughs> people don't have to be perfectly healthy. And, and that actually, that, that might worry some of you. But it's true, I care way more about being with people face-to-face -face than I do about staying healthy all the time. And even when, even when you isolate, sometimes you get sick anyway. So there's, there's a certain amount of health risk. There's maybe a financial risk that comes from spending time with people. Maybe you just end up having to pay for things, or you, you, you cover a meal, or you're paying for babysitting, or yours, maybe you take some time off work, or there's, there's some things that you have to shift that there's like a financial cost to being around people. Maybe the cost is on your time and your schedule. Because when it comes to church, we've got a chance to hang out on Sunday mornings. We've got groups going on midweek, which I'm super excited about. And then beyond that, there's just some organic hangouts and dinners and game nights or chances to go to the park or go for a walk. There's, there's lots of ways we can spend time together and Sometimes that requires a shift in the priorities for the schedule. Well, no, my schedule is this way, or my kids have this schedule, and they got to be here, or they need to go to bed at this time. There's, well, maybe, maybe there's some risk and some cost that we pay in order to build this community that God intends. Or maybe, here's, here's one, this is especially for you guys, you men, there may be a cost on your ego. Because <laughs> to build the kind of community that God has in mind Sometimes you have to reveal some things about yourself you'd rather not. Sometimes it requires 
being honest and confronting something or opening up about things that, you know what, I just don't want to, sh- I, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want people to know about that. No one has any business knowing about me on the inside. Well, sometimes your ego takes a hit when you get closer to people. There's a self-revealing that sometimes needs to happen. Another cost might be your rest or your downtime. Maybe getting time with people interferes with how much sleep I get. Maybe it interferes with how much time on the weekends I have off to myself. And then one other cost might be just the cost of initiation. To get together with people, sometimes like, yeah, I'm not, I don't have any relationships. I don't have, nobody, nobody's calling me. Well, why don't you call somebody? <laughs> why don't you initiate the text? Why don't you go ahead and reach out? And, it, and the reason this is a cost is because generally it's hard to be the one that initiates. It's hard to prompt it and figure out a date or a time or a place or to, to go out on the limb and invite somebody over. So there's all these different costs or things that we may have to give up in order to build this heavenly community that God intends for us. And these, these, these different things, they, sometimes they, these, are, these are fears or concerns that block people from going deep in community. I think will grow a great deal. The, the people, the men and women that God intends us to be, I think it develops a lot in the context of community. The more we dive in relationally, the more that God can grow us and shape us. So I wonder, is there anything blocking you from making a deeper investment in the people here? Sometimes it sounds good and we set out to do the right thing, but then we get blocked. Let me show you a video of someone who went out to start his day and then was blocked by an unexpected, well, you'll just see what it was. (laughs) All right, take a look. You going back, you going back, I'm going back too. Baby, watch out, watch out. the most striking thing about this video is the resolute determination of this man to remove the alligator from his uh, driveway. (laughs) And uh, you can see he's just a normal guy in flip-flops shoving an alligator into a trash can and just rolling it down the curb. I mean, that's amazing. He's taking care of the threat. And uh, it's amazing. It's amazing to see. We, you know, we live in a time when there's, there's so many things that 
threaten healthy relationships. Maybe there's, there's fears or concerns that you have that crop up and that block you, that make you scared, that make you run the other way, or things that just are obstacles. And uh, how, might, how might you remove the obstacles that are blocking you right now? How might you just get a hold of that concern or that worry or that fear and you just remove it with God's help? One of the big threats for many people right now is social isolation. And if you really, if you, if you kind of summarize some of the messaging that we've been receiving from our world over the past two years, it all, it all has this theme, it, the, a thread woven through all the messaging we've been hearing is, is isolating. It's isolation. So you, which, that's even what, you know, isolate yourself, quarantine, cover your face, don't let people see who you are. You know, social distance, no gatherings or limit your gatherings, only so many people or stay home over Christmas, don't see your relatives, shut down schools, limit your contact as little contact as possible, curbside pickup, you know, keep your windows closed, they'll drop it in the trunk, work from home or work remotely, go online, do, do whatever you can do, do it online, don't do it in person. All of this messaging has just been pumping at, at us. It's just been pumping, coursing through our world. And the theme is isolation. All in the name of, what's it in the name of what? Safety. All in the name of safety is for your health that we do these things. I don't know. After two years of isolation messaging, do you think we're healthier as a society as a result? Is it possible physical health and a sickness avoidance isn't the only thing we should be concerned about? A lot of, as a result of this messaging, a lot of people are governed by fear. A lot of decisions as they go about life, they're just, maybe without even realizing it, they just make decisions, but fear is the governing position. God has provided another way for us. We can be governed by faith. And when it comes to relationships and community and time with people, you could do the play it safe option or you could do the pay a cost option. But when it comes to people, people, you know, being with people is not safe. There's always going to be risk when you spend time with people. You have to risk your health. You got to risk your, you know, emotions. You got to risk your time commitment. Maybe things don't pan out that great. There's, there's always a risk. The closer you get to people, the more risky it is. But every time that we take a step of obedience to God in faith, even when there's risk, it pleases God. That's why in Hebrews, there's this strong encouragement. The author says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, as we see the end coming near, continue aggressively to get time together, and not just virtually, face to face. The more that we invest in personal relationships, time together, boy, that strengthens the ties in our church community. Great encouragement and joy flows from that. So one next step you might consider today is, first of all, identify what's the biggest obstacle that blocks me from investing in relationships? Another next step might be to prayerfully ask God for the courage to remove that obstacle. And then maybe, maybe you've done some of that already. Maybe you've gotten some obstacles. Maybe the next step for you is to become an initiator. 
you'll be the, you'll, you'll do the, the sacrificial service thing of initiating time with people. All of the effort put into building our church so far, you know, we've done a lot of the setup and the teardown and the, the moving around and figuring out new locations. And we've done a lot of meeting people and inviting people and doing thousands upon thousands of door hangers, a lot of energy. I believe we're in a, tr- a position to transfer, not, not, it's not time to kick back now, but now to transfer all that energy into a different aspect of our mission. What we're setting out to accomplish as a church, there's, there's different aspects of our mission, but one of them is for us to invest deeply in this community, make it a biblical community that honors God, and actually is a place that outsiders want to come, want to be a part of. And we'll do this first season, this uh, focus on, on developing and strengthening our relationships. Later this year, we may shift again. We may put some channel resources into uh, uh, more of the outside and outreach and advertising angle of things. But God has provided so much for Valley Lights Church, for me and for you. He's put a lot of pieces in place right now. And I believe he intends for us to build a thriving heavenly colony. We're not in heaven yet. Some of us, we're we're a long ways off. So we'll still struggle with our old ways, our old ways of living and doing and thinking. And our relationships with one another, it's not going to be perfect. But life in the local church, even though it's, it's not it's not truly heaven on earth. It can be as close to heaven as you can get in this world. I'm very eager to see Valley Lights become an even more bright and vibrant community of strong relationships. That's a startling difference to the trends of isolation in our society. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for the tremendous provision. Thank you for leading us over these past few months and weeks opening up this space, and I thank you especially for the people. I care so much about the people you've brought to our church and the people that you're yet to bring. I actually think there's opportunities in the neighborhoods right around us, not just in this building, but in even in the neighborhoods that you've placed all of us. So grateful, Lord, for your care for us and for the opportunities ahead. Would you help us to courageously make use of the resources you've given us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time.